Hi, I'm Annette Diabrio, UK Managing Director at Suter Group, and this is the original Suter Group podcast. Today, I'm joined by Suter Group's capability consultants, Dahlia Stroud and Mark Hermson. We'll be discussing the impact of market and economic changes on supplier, retailer and shopper relationships, what the future looks like, and what health and wellness brands can do to retain strong client relationships during price rises. It's a challenge that has become increasingly prevalent in the past few years in the UK and around the world. So, happy to have you both here. Um, Thank you. Mark, first of all to you, what have been the key drivers that you've seen in the last 18 months? Wow, there's there's been incredible changes in the last 18 months. We've seen um, huge pressures on both retailers and suppliers in terms of the level of cost price increases in the market and why that's put pressure on both retailers and suppliers is that retailers traditionally work off low margins anyway, sometimes as low as two to three percent, which you know means that retailers have had to pass through you know these increases from suppliers mm. into the market. And there's been, you know, speaking from experience here, there's just been, you know, never ending range of cost increases that have come through related to raw materials, related to kind of supply chain and the logistics. Uh, related to fuel and they've all come at the same time and compounded things you know for both retailers and suppliers so it's been such a tough period of time you know I've worked in in this field for 20 over 25 years and I've never known anything like it so it's really really been a tough period yeah I think um, the other thing that happened during COVID specifically within um, grocery and, and health and wellness as well is about availability in stores and availability of products. So yeah. log jams in the supply chain, yeah. which is um, you know, mean that which has meant that products not being available on the fixture. Um and, and what has that meant? That's meant that, you know, um consumers have had to take care of their health more themselves. You know, the pressures on the NHS during, you know, the back end of COVID and the after effects of that, and also access to GPs, you know. I don't know if it's the same for anyone else, but I find my GP you're on speed dial trying to get through, you know. Yeah. So, um, you know, as a result, consumers have taken on self-care themselves. Mm-hmm. And I see that as an opportunity for, for retailers and suppliers, for connected retailers and suppliers to exploit those opportunities. Um, so, yeah, tough, tough times. I think I heard it described really well. Um, it, we went from kind of, one crisis to another crisis and actually it's just a perma crisis and we've all become used to working in a, in a heightened sense of crises yes. in a way that a few years ago we didn't really see um, so that there is just more tension around everything we do which can potentially cause a lot more friction in terms of the way we work and the way we engage as well which is obviously we'll talk about relationships yes. as something to be really mindful of yeah. um, and I think actually there's that real demand from a consumer perspective in terms of not just make me well when I'm poorly but keep me well as well so how can I make sure that what I do really supports me to make me fit for the future? So that real wellness mindset is coming through more and more. Yeah, we're definitely seeing that. So, so do you think what 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 do you think has been the impact on the supplier and the rela- retailer relationship? Well, things have become more one-dimensional. They've been very focused around price, and that has taken up a lot of the agenda. A lot of the conversation has defaulted to that, which is. Um, which is a shame because, you know, traditionally the best suppliers and the best kind of connected retailers and suppliers, 
they've got kind of multiple um, contact points across their businesses and a lot of those have suffered. So whether it's mm. kind of building joint marketing plans, investing in strategic initiatives, they've all suffered. So things have become very one dimensional and transactional in a way, mm. which, you know, is kind of lingered on. I mean, there's, there's potentially green shoots of recovery. We're just seeing last week signs of, you know, early signs of things slowing down and potentially deflation next year. But you know, it's 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 become, you know, one dimensional. But as as I said, there's always opportunity in every adversity. Absolutely. And the adversity post COVID is that there are now new opportunities to extend. Yeah. You know, there's new sort of touch points for health and wellness. There's new areas opening up. Yeah. I mean, look look at the movement with with football and mental health focus. You know, in the last couple of years ago, um, a lot of footballers coming out and talking about their own mental health, mm-hmm. and people, and and particularly men are starting to feel more comfortable about talking about their mental health, which is, you know, really, really great for society and also opens up the opportunity for a new market there as well. So really it's lifting it above the whole price argument, isn't it? It's got to detract away from that and the brand's got to be much more than that. It's got to be more holistic than than just kind of a a fight on price. And I think when you talk about supplier retailer relationships and some of the impact we've seen um, across both sides of the table, I think people are exhausted. They're exhausted of having the same conversations and almost reacting to the market. Mm. And and now, hopefully for 2024, and unfortunately I think this was very much a mindset for the last couple of years which didn't manifest, is that opportunity to reset how do we want to proactively plan for the future what do we want to deliver together what do our consumers need more so than how do we react to some of those market dynamics which have really impacted how we've traded in the last few years and I think I would say for anyone listening who's a retailer or a supplier really think about how you create a reset moment with the people that you're working with to really be proactive in the future about the opportunities that exist within those health and wellness categories to drive growth. So that really that that that's all about having strong relationships, Absolutely. isn't it? Really, and 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 if we don't have that collaboration, then it the things start to break down. So your view about about the importance of that? Yeah, I mean it's it's everything that is important in terms of a supplier retailer relationship collaboration. And for me, it starts with trust and transparency, and and that isn't always about open book costing or whatever it is. It's just very much about the respect and the integrity between the two businesses that are working mm. together, and that ability to see that you're working with someone else as a partnership. So yes, you might be a supplier and a retailer but it's employing that one P&L mindset to drive growth and I think it's about facing into challenges together but also recognising opportunities together as well so Mark referenced deflation we're absolutely seeing some of it coming down the line how can businesses work together to recognise that and to think about where to reassess the value chain to be able to create value for the consumer and drive that category growth Mm. and I think it's important to really think about actually how do you use insight to support that how do you face into challenges together and how do you make sure that what you're doing really drives that incrementality for both businesses as well I think that's really key and I I think it's about simplifying in a complex market yeah and about that's really where the insights come in if you can develop really pertinent Mm. clear insights it's about making things easier you know the responsibility of a supplier is to make things easier for the retailer yeah you know so if, if you can do that and you can you can demonstrate how you can anticipate trends as well in the market yeah you know, and, and react to what's happening, you know, the likes of, um, you know, Boots expanding their health, um, sorry, Sainsbury's expanding their health and wellness fixture, you know, with the work Superdog's doing online with premiumizing, premiumizing their offer, 
you know, it's important to keep close to the pulse. You Absolutely, know, yeah. And anticipate yeah. and yeah. predict what's it, going to happen. It's definitely about relevance. And, and obviously, we've talked about those challenges from an operating profit perspective. The opportunity um, is for suppliers to work with retailers to think about how they really optimise their range, mm. how they make sure that they protect choice for the consumer, but make sure they do it in a way that's going to be more efficient and drive value for both parties as well. And, and I think we've been guilty um, historically of thinking always from a supplier perspective that more distribution distribution points is more value and that's not always the case it's about understanding the opportunity for channels and the opportunity for specific products to meet consumer needs Mm. and and being relevant in the right places rather than kind of all things to all people and actually from a supplier retailer relationship perspective thinking about how suppliers can really understand retail strategy and create synergies there is is really valuable to be able to drive growth together and have those joint partnerships mindset in some ways things and They've not changed from how they used to be. You know, this is how suppliers and retailers worked pre-COVID. But I think a lot of what happens, particularly in the commercial world, you know, took a break during COVID. People were working differently. They were having meetings at home, you know, Teams calls, Zoom. You know, sometimes you've got to get out there again and meet meet people face to face. Mm. You know, remember how we used to do things, you know, this linking Mm. up, you know, and connecting, you know, Mm. with different parts of the organisation is how we used to do it. This this is tried and tested. It's It's just kind of reverting to those ways of working in a with plenty of new opportunities within the category because they've expanded yes so uh, it's exciting time actually and I, and I think just just going back a bit with the work sort of work that that you and your teams do it's it's also about early engagement isn't it it's about bringing those people having that face-to-face bringing people together in the room and having everyone co- collaborating which is what's which is Things that's what you've facilitated that for a few brands, which has led to some great success. Absolutely. So I think that collaboration is really key, and and it's moving away from the mindset of buyer and account manager and thinking about what resource sits in both businesses and how can you come together. Like you said, we we call them ideation sessions. So bringing yeah. together the supplier and the retailer to say what what's the insight telling us, what do our consumers need from us, and how do we work together to create a brilliant idea in that space. Mm. And it isn't just about the people in the room to create the idea, but it's about making it actionable actionable as well so having the right people in the room mm. who can take it from an idea and really take it to shelf edge to, to meet consumer needs um, and and actually doing it between supplier and retailer creates that joint accountability for it. how do we do this together how do we have a, a kind of one business mindset and how do we make sure that we then review it together as well and mm. understand the success mm. and, and I think you're absolutely right we reference brand days and it, and it is quite a traditional way of doing things and, and coming together to collaborate and think about ideas from an embryonic perspective together can sometimes generate far more opportunities than than a supplier retailer tell or all the other way around in mm. terms of what do we need it's about how do we have that joint mindset about creating opportunities yeah I mean that's a really important point it's no longer about the tell and I think yeah. that's still out there that you're coming with the traditional way yeah. of presenting they don't necessarily want to yeah Hear that. This stat of you know, 75% of, of teams are dysfunctional. I mean, if that's not an opportunity to kind of help retailers and suppliers yeah. work together, I don't know what yeah. is. Yeah. You know, um, I, I think that's a really interesting point because it, it's not just about what we do when you think about that supplier retailer relationship, but it's it's what's our way of working across our teams as well. So how are we connecting our resources in the right way? How are we planning our processes together? How are we evaluating performance together? And that is all part of a joint business plan. So I would suggest that retailers and suppliers think not just about the, the what, but about the how they work together as well and how they, they leverage insight together, how they learn from one another and how that facilitates growth. I think 
Uh, and also, Dahlia, with your own background being from Asda. Yeah. Um, and we have members of the team who are ex-retailer buyers and that just ability to understand what's how you're thinking is, is absolutely critical, really. I, I think so. And, and I think, obviously, I've bought for quite a while. So understanding from a supplier how to get the best out of a relationship it's really thinking around are they listening to the retailer needs mm. and are they coming back and saying this is where the opportunity lies because of that so rather than as I said before kind of a blanket approach or, or a best fit across all retailers it's actually how do you target to meet your consumer um, and to, to meet your retailer as well and and healthcare is such a broad spectrum from some yeah. of the research that, that I've done in previous roles we've really started to understand that you need to take people on a journey to healthier but that journey might start in very different places for different mm. consumers and for different retailers so really understanding where they are and bringing them forward and that balance of of educating but also moving at a pace that's relevant for them is really important yeah and I think that's also why some suppliers um, have that better, broader relationship because they're able to bring buyers um, in grocery, in multiple pharmacy, in independent pharmacy, etc. Just a bit more of the background as to why. What is the trend that has led to us being here today? So it's and it's about understanding where where the growth will come from as well in the future and and what consumers are demanding of the different categories. Yeah. Um. So you, you can look at obviously the volume today in some of the the kind of clear areas like pain, but actually some of the growth that's coming through is not just about the kind of fix me for now, but it, as I said before, it's about the how do I stay fit for the future. So it's about vitamins, it's about immunity support. So all of those things are new and emerging trends, and it's about mm. that kind of proactive stance of how do we get ahead and how do we remain agile in that space as consumer needs change over time yeah yeah so Dali, this one's for you what do you think the future looks like oh gosh that's that's a really good question and i, I think you've got so many different things coming down the line and, and as i said before um the presence of kind of awareness of health in in front of mind for consumers more than ever um you've got legislation coming down the line in terms of smoke free britain for 2030 so huge questions there in terms of the opportunities from a smoking cessation perspective really that kind of mindset of where that income is going to go and where that that size of price in terms of the wallet will sit lots of questions around the future of vaping and what that means what the yes. nhs are doing within that space yeah. um, and then you've got legislation that's already landed like hfss yes. which is broader mm. in terms of food but really thinking about how do you tackle the obesity crisis and in all of those spaces, there's actually physical space that's up for grabs and retailers to think mm. about how do you sell different things and how do you drive that health mm. and wellness offer at Shelf Edge. Um, I think obviously the, there's a huge amount of change from a packaging perspective and some real d demands in terms of sustainable living. Um, the the health and, and wellness category is hugely packaged some of it because it's got to be in terms yes. of protecting the product and that's really important and mm. product quality and efficacy is, is really key in this mm -hmm. space but there will be some packaging that can be reevaluated and I would encourage people to to not be scared about the cost of sustainability and think about how you innovate and uh, approach sustainability in a way where you can think about assessing your whole value chain and really get some opportunity out mm. of it and all of that comes back to those ideation sessions the collaboration and the joint thinking between suppliers and retailers about how you do you do these things yeah. and leveraging opportunities together. I think we'll see um, a huge amount of demand for um, 
healthcare that's related to aesthetics and that kind of holistic view of kind of shampoos with vitamins in and things being enriched in terms of the nutrition that they bring to you and, and how they really, I guess, give you you more than they have previously in some of that space um, and an explosion of online as well. I think you had some interesting yeah. points there, Mark. Well, I think um, just just the other point to add to that really is, is the current one, not just unique to this category, but also around kind of security and pilferage that you're seeing mm-hmm. within you know, across pervasive across Massive society problem. at the moment, it's a yeah, huge, huge problem. So, yeah. in a high value, particularly as we premiumize, we've talked about earlier. Earlier, you know, the high value items and how we protect those and secure those, along with the packaging that's sustainable. It's also fit for purpose packaging. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I remember 20, 20 years ago, showing my age, working with Gillette, and they were securing their razor blades. You know, mm. um, because they were the most highly pilfered item on the fixture but as yes. we premiumize yes. you know, it is a consideration an important consideration that we need to build into our plans as well correct i think uh, quite often you'll go in and present a product and and it would get to the well not maybe not today but certainly a few years ago you'd get to the 11th hour about to, and and someone in another department would say but this needs a pilferage anti-pilferage device on it and suddenly yeah. if that had happened at the start if you'd been able to discuss it early enough that would have been incorporated and then it becomes unaffordable when something yeah. so those yeah. sort of it's goes it all goes back to those earlier discussions just yeah. about so yeah. that you consider everything really and and it's a smart choice isn't it because I, I've worked before in areas where we've had to um, put pregnancy tests in boxes but actually it's it's a really discreet item you want to buy so mm. having it in a plastic case to um, manage leakage actually means that you're you're creating a huge barrier to entry for people who actually need the product so it's that mm. way up as well yeah. of making sure that it remains accessible to the consumer which is really yes. important yes and at the same time making sure that the efficacy is understood so packaging doesn't necessarily reflect that this isn't as good as the product that looks shinier and with more plastic on it and that's part of the education as well so and i think as you said earlier darling the the whole value change that sustainability can be all the way from how the outer comes shipped where's it shift from how is it shipped into the uk and then and then what is the what does the case packaging look like etc etc so there's there's so many different steps that we can we can talk about when we're talking about the full product and i think that point on education is so relevant because people are really wanting to understand you know that make me well what how do I understand this product versus this product? How do I medicate a cold or flu versus how do I medicate a fever? Um, and then lots of things about uh, kind of what does this vitamin mean or what does this nutrient mean or how is this actually going to help me? Um, and I think the more that we can do to support that education and the more that suppliers and retailers can partner together. Mm. Actually, one of the things that we did at Asda was used some of the space on fixture to help consumers understand what the vitamins would help them with and give some real kind of tangible opportunities to say this will help with bones or this will help with immunity in a way that we hadn't used that language to communicate mm. with them before. Um, and, and that actually saw value grow, even though it was use of space for education rather than for product. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great example. When we're talking to our retailers, what sort of information can can help us stand out and be a better supplier partner? All types, really. There's kind of macro and micro. But if you looked at a macro insight, you know, the BARC study last just last week, actually, was talking about for necessity categories like health and wellness. Consumers are shopping around like they are for other categories, but they're more prepared to accept, you know, price increases, which for me puts things in good stead for the category for 2024, because that shows me that, you know, people are prepared to pay, you know, for necessity items, and that should add value to the category going forwards. 
Well, Mark, Dahlia, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a great conversation. Thank you for having us. Enjoyed it. Okay, thank you.